Welcome back to the Irish Bears show. It is great to be back. Last week was crazy. We had a show almost every single day. So what we decided to do is we were going to uh, take a little bit of a break, even though there's been, uh, I would say, a lot of information out there. But it seems like right now it's going to be recycled information until we get some some games coming in here. But look, yeah. it's even with that, there's still some new stories to kind of look at here kind of project moving forward because as we've kind of mentioned off air tony most important thing here really is to get these guys healthy all the way up to week one when it actually matters um but before we get into some bears talk uh, how are you doing it's been a while since i've been on a show with you because i missed the show that you got to do last week yeah good man good just uh just being sort of plugging away trying to trying to drag myself through the the training camp fucking palaver like it's so <laughs> is there a talking about it? i'm I, I just want games now man i'm fed up talking about it i said like i like training camp for certain aspects but because we don't actually see it ourselves i'm relying on secondhand information uh and i need to see it i need to see it now so uh i'm so glad we've got a game in a couple of days but yeah i'm good man i'm good how are you yeah i'm doing good it's like last week was busy obviously because i think we mentioned it on the show like Last week was the week of training camp where it was just like it seemed like practice after practice after practice. But now once they start incorporating games, they start incorporating these joint practices, there's more off days, right? Like so there's more to kind of dig into where it's not where you, you have one storyline and suddenly there's another practice the next day. So it all kind of goes away. Um, so I, I like the fact that we're getting into the game part of it because realistically the way this works for a training camp every single year it's the same stuff it is week one and week two everybody is so invested in every single play every single practice and then it gets to that like third week which is where we're at right now and people are like i just want to watch them go up against another team i want to watch a game we got to see obviously the like the hall of fame game was on and that gives you that little taste of football is coming back and now I'm just at the point of where I actually just want to see them go up against an opposition because yeah. to a certain point, I think we love training camp at the beginning because we go six to eight weeks without any football news and then training camp starts. So we get stuff every single day, but then you need, I always get into this mindset that I always realize, well, look, the most important thing here is conditioning the players yeah. and getting them ready for the regular season. Because I always say it's a cycle when it comes to camp. It's every single practice is the most important thing in that first week of camp. And then the preseason games start. And then nobody gives a fuck about what happened in training camp because yeah. it's we're then breaking down what they did against an opposition team. And then once the preseason games are over and the regular season happens, you can have a guy that had one of the best preseasons ever, makes the 53-man roster, then makes the critical mistake for you to lose week one and everybody doesn't care what they did for the last six weeks. And that's where we're kind of going to get to that. Like realistically here, it's all a process. And within these camps, we have to go back and think of it realistically. The most important thing that we get out of these training camp practices now, because there's only so much the coaches are going to learn at this point. They probably know 48, 49 of the 53 already. There's always those last couple of guys that we always talk about preseason matters for. They know the majority of the players that are making this 53-man roster, unless there's some serious injury or something like that. 
So then realistically, it's getting these guys conditioned so that they're ready to play a full football game when it comes into September when they play against the Green Bay Packers. And then secondly is making sure that everyone's available to play that game. That is actually the most important thing. Like the last thing you want is saying, well, all the training camp practices were hella competitive. The offense and defense look good, but we're now at week one and 10 of our guys are injured. So like that's where there's like an offset there, right? Like it is important that these camps are competitive. The offense and defense go at it. But also we do have to realize that we need to get these guys to week one. And with that, I think the main, and we were talking about this earlier, Tony, one of the main storylines today was there was a couple of injuries. Now, we don't know how serious those are. Like, even some of the guys that weren't out there today. So, for example, like Tremaine Edmonds, Nate Davis, Lucas Patrick, um, Walker, Lewis, Pettis, Brisker, and Smith, right? Now, one of the, I can't remember which beat reporter asked the question, but they asked, how serious is Edmonds and Walker? Will they miss week one? And Iberflus basically says, we have no concerns that either are going to miss week one. So it goes back to the point of they're going to be careful with us because they don't want anybody to risk missing that first week. Because really, for these veterans, the preseason and training camp doesn't actually matter. They know how to get their bodies ready for the regular season. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you get a guy who goes down with a minor injury or a strain or pulls up as as everyone seems to put out on Twitter, someone's pulling up all the time. End of the day, like because it's practice, because there's nothing overly uh competitive going on at the moment, there's no point in keeping these guys out there. You know, if you need to take them out for the rest of practice, take them out. Why risk it? You know, it, as I mentioned earlier, it'd be different if it was in a, a game situation. You'd keep them in there and you'd you'd, you'd kind of you keep going regardless of whatever sort of injury they'd pick up. But yeah, I mean, if, if someone's got a strain, you know, just pull them out. They can practice again the next day or whatever. I mean, there's really no point at this stage in the season, especially because you've already, as you mentioned, the coaches have sort of decided on, you know, 90% of the 53-man roster already. So for, for those guys that they have decided on that they are going to be keeping on, again, there's no point in risking them at the moment. You may as well hold it back. Um, there are obviously some people who are, you know, on the periphery, you're looking to make up that final 10% of the 53. You're looking to be on the practice squad. And preseason is going to be hugely important for them in terms of the actual game time that they get. Um, but for everybody else, you know, practice, how much the starters play mm-hmm. on Saturday and every other game, is, is going to be minimal, probably. Um, and, and you really shouldn't read too much onto it. And one of the things that I picked up on earlier was when Chase Claypool pulled up with his with his hamstring thing and you can read one tweet from someone who's at camp and it sounds like his leg has fallen off <laughs> another tweet from another guy it's like oh i'm sure it'll be fine you know like so this is this is the overreaction aspect of of this and the second hand information aspect that you've got and again Eberflus is out there saying you know these guys are fine they're, we're fine they're nothing to worry about like do you mean so it's, it's, it's so easy to get caught up caught up in it um, at this point, but but you're right, and and being being fit and being available is is the most important thing just now, and that's why they're not risking anybody. They're just letting them play a little bit. You got a bit of a tweak, don't worry about it. Sit out the rest of practice, you know, do mental reps, go work in your game film, whatever you need to do to get ready because it's not just about that 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 fitness aspect of it but incidentally i was quite concerned incident earlier on rather when uh, adam hogue could put out a tweet to say that tevin jenkins had thrown up his breakfast 
Now, <laughs> I, I, I remember, I remember the first time I started playing football when I wasn't as fit, and um, and I went the other way again, by the way. But uh, and I remember feeling it that way, like after the first practice, like oh my god. I could spew up at the sideline right now, kind of thing. And I'm thinking to myself, is Tevin Jenkins incredibly unfit? Has he been relying on Pilates too much all, all, all off-season? I don't know. But um, clearly he's not injured, you know. And we looked at the Jenkins. We'll talk about him again, right? He was off. He had an injury a few days ago, and everybody was like, oh, my God. Where is Tevin Jenkins? Is he available? Is he going to be able to play? He's in third year now, and he's not getting game time because he's unfit again. And then a few days later, he's on the field playing as he was before. Do you mean so? Jesus, we're, we're going into overdrive at the moment with, with the speculation. Um, mm-hmm. Saturday cannot come soon enough. I'm really looking forward to watching, not the starters, obviously, but I'm really looking forward to watching football in a Bears uniform. And I'm really looking forward to watching some of these guys properly fight it out for spots on this team because where the starters will be taking it maybe a little bit easier than before, the guys that are on the periphery will not be, they will be going hell for leather and that will make it an entertaining football game from that aspect. Yeah, absolutely. There's obviously a couple of uh, comments here about the offensive line. So Steve says that the offensive line should be a concern um, and who's in the chat says, what about Nate Davis who hasn't been on the field a lot? Is a line more important to have together as a unit or does it matter? Um, we have a couple of other ones here. Um yeah, like at the end of the day, I think Tevin is always going to be worrisome because it's you worry about his back, right? So I don't really care if he's spewing at the sideline. Don't really, I honestly don't care about that. Like offensive line, they're big men. It's hot out there, so it's gonna happen. Um, when I saw when I heard that, all I heard was where all I remembered was my own preseason. Where you know, back in the day, when your coaches would run you into the ground. And they wouldn't stop running until you got sick. Like yeah. so, that's yeah. what I remembered. But look, I would only get concerned with Tevin if there's an injury that's somehow related to his back injury, um, because typically that doesn't get better. And I've kind of said, and I don't know what what you think on this, because I was kind of thinking it over the last kind of three, four, or five days that regardless of what Tevin Jenkins does, um. Even if he has like a pro bowl or all pro season, I don't think this regime is going to sign him because I think he's a player that if you have a back injury so early on, like you can have a great season or two, but I don't know how sustainable that is. And it's worrisome for this offensive line because you pray that doesn't come back into play this year because you need him. You need him to be really good and you need to be able to use him. I worry with a guy that has a back injury. The other concern, obviously, is Nate Davis, and it's purely from a not-knowing standpoint. We don't know if he's injured because we, we haven't been told if he's injured. We don't. He wasn't at OTAs, which was the first kind of red flag. A lot of the different beat reporters we had on last week where they basically were saying, we don't know what's going on with Nate Davis. They don't know if he has a serious injury. Uh, it can't be serious because he was at practice yesterday. And then wasn't today. My guess is he's at a ramp up period. He probably did have some sort of injury, and they don't want him going too hard and pads too early. That's my guess is they're trying to just get him ready for the start of the season. Like if you start if you start putting him in these practices, and then suddenly he does reaggravate some sort of injury, mm-hmm. that's when you do have a bit of a problem. Maybe they are just trying to 
monitor that knowing just how important this offensive line is going to be this year. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Nate Davis not being there is, is a concern. And I mentioned it in the chat, you know, you do like to have that, the unit, the first team unit working together. Um, and and the fact that they're not doing it at the moment, it, it can be a bit of a concern. Uh, what I would say with Nate Davis is with him being a, a bit of a, um, a veteran is that hopefully he'll be able to get him in and, and slide into that uh, starting lineup and, and be okay. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll need to wait and see how that works out. But yeah, I mean, in terms of Tevin Jenkins and whether or not he'd be there long term, is really going to be very dependent on the injury situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of money to re-sign an offensive lineman to uh, to, to your team uh, and have a huge investment. Um, so the Bears need to be careful in what they're doing there. Just because they've got the money doesn't mean to say they necessarily should be spending the money um, on, on, on guys like that. And I think as well as Bears fans, we're quite guilty of um, you know having our players that we like and players that we've had and we think that, you know, we need to get these guys back in again. We need to get them re-signed, but... I think we're also quite guilty of settling for sort of a mediocrity of it as well. Mm-hmm. If we've got a guy who cannot be uh, fit all the time um, and there's concerns there, then the, the question is, is, yeah, he is a good guard when he's fit, but really should we be giving him the benefit of the doubt and, and paying him again? So we're going to have to wait and see how this season goes. If he manages to remain fit this year, I think it will bode well for him going into his last year um, of, of his contract. Um, and we, we can kind of wait and see how things go from there. But the offensive line is a concern for fans just now because we can't see what's happening with it. We don't really have anything tangible to to, to, to monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then again, the fact is that, you know, you haven't had Davis, who's meant to be your starting interior offensive lineman, play very often. But what I would caveat that with is at the same time, we have heard very positive things about... Um, uh, Braxton Jones, um, especially over the last couple of practices, um, he's, uh, he's, been, he's been looking a little bit better, and we're hoping he's going to make that that sort of leap um, for for this year. And, and also the rookie right tackle as well. Uh, again, again, he's a he's a rookie offensive lineman, and there are going to be growing pains there. But by all accounts, and again, as setting time information and well i don't like the bad setting that information information i don't like the good stuff either um you know but by all accounts he, he's been playing well so you kind of take the rough with the smooth at the minute i'm hoping by the time it gets to week one green bay um nate davis has been playing a little bit more in practice um and we start to settle down a little bit there um but equally if he can't play we have uh an array of offensive linemen that have been brought in under uh, Ryan Pohl since he's come here, um, whether that be any of the um, guys that he drafted last offseason or, or whether it be guys like Alex Leatherwood, et cetera, that have had opportunities as well in the absence of some of the injured players. You know, it gives them an opportunity to, to, to come in. And if you've got a coaching set up and you've got a culture there that's going to breed competition uh, and make players better and make players want to compete with each other, then great, you know. So, but again, this all goes back to us needing to be able to see something, and until we can actually see it, who knows? This is this is the this is the problem we have currently. Yeah, and I I agree as well because I've been kind of following along what people have been saying in practice and stuff like that. Even people that have had kind of a more negative view on the offensive line, because I like to see that because those are the people that will kind of tell you a little bit more of the truth, and. Yeah. It seems like a lot of people are 
have been impressed with Braxton Jones. They've been impressed with Darnell Wright. And that does leave me a little with some optimism, even if there even there if there is a little bit of fluctuation on the interior. Because look, we've said this a million times. It's easier to find guards and centers than it is to find tackles. If you go into this season and you finish it off and be like, yeah, I think Darnell Wright can be a top right tackle. And you and even if you say that Braxton Jones can be a good or above average left tackle, you're setting yourself up quite well there because it is easier to find them. Look, at this time of year, it's not, right? Like you can only get so many guys in. I know a lot of Bears fans are kind of tweeting at Dalton Reisner and stuff like that. And he's liking all the tweets. He's going to, he's still a free agent. He wants to get paid. He wants the that's, money. That's, <laughs> that's, all I'm, that's all I'm saying. He's going to do that because he wants to get paid. But look, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring someone in, if they do have injuries and fits what they want. But again, it, it's they're going to want to see what they can get from their own guys first. And if there are a couple of injuries and no Leatherwood went down today, I don't know how serious that is. But what they're going to look for is in these preseason games, they're going to want to see what Jatire Carter looks like. If Lucas Patrick is back out there, they want to see what Cody Whitehair can do. Obviously it'd be great if one or both of Tevin Jenkins and Nate Davis can have a couple of snaps in the next couple of preseason games. It would be ideal to be able to find that stuff out, but I don't think it's the end of the world. Like as long as you're, you're healthy coming into the season and then you look at it and you're like, it might even be where Dalton Reisner doesn't sign somewhere for another week or two. It doesn't really matter. Um, as long as you look at it, as you get closer to the season, if you're healthier, I think that's the most important thing here. Obviously, perfect scenario is you have the five that are practicing together, but that's just not the scenario you're in. We always mention it on the show. The five guys you start at the beginning of the year, typically are not the same five guys you start at the end. So, with some of these guys like Carter, like Patrick, like Leatherwood, I've gotten ones. Even like, uh, what's his name? Aviante Collins, who seems to be the one of the backup tackles right now. Like, he's gotten chances with the ones. And while he may not have been like a stud or like really, really good, if he can even get to like a below average level, it means that if somebody goes down for a couple of snaps, you have someone in where he's not going to get your quarterback killed. And those were, that's why the reps actually are important. In an ideal world, yes, you would have the first five. But if you don't, these snaps are still good for some of the guys that may actually have to play for you this season as well. So I'm not too concerned. I'm happy in the fact that the tackles are looking pretty good. It seems like as they have more days with pads on, they're getting more comfortable. They're getting to know what they're supposed to be doing. And yeah, well, there are sacks on the quarterback and stuff. They're still holding their own as well, which is is definitely a positive. And look, with that in mind, we'll, we're going to shift to the other side of the football. We'll kind of stick with why this is important. Having kind of a rookie in terms of the right tackle, having a second-year player in the left tackle, one of the things we could have been saying if this was like a week or two ago is, well, do we really know how good they are if they're coming up against pass rushers that we don't determine as kind of elite level? And then last week, the Bears go off and sign Yannick Ngakwe. Now, you know what you're getting. You're going to get about 10 sacks from him. But even people have been at, at camp have said it's just a difference in terms of his quickness off the football and him getting to it. That's going to help someone like Darnell, right? That might not see that in the other guys that are there. And what we're actually starting to see as well over the last couple of days is 
Dominique Robinson is making plays in training camp, who's a guy that has been raw, that has only played edge rusher for what, 18 months. So he's he gets a guy like Yannick that can that he can learn off. And that's where you have it. Let's just say it's Walker and Ngakwe who are your main starters at defensive end. If when a defense is a little, or when an offense is a little bit tired and you're able to bring in a guy like Robinson that does have that speed, but he's not expected to play every snap like he was last year, that can help a guy like him. But how important do you think it is for this defense now that they have signed someone like Yannick Ngakwe where you know you have someone there that can get you the sacks where we're not going to be talking in nine to 10 months time about Jaquan Brisker having the most sacks on the defense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's huge. Um, and, and we go back to that old adage that we've been, we've been going on about for the last week or two about steel sharpening steel and all this kind of stuff. But because we've seen that for the wide receivers and the defensive backs, um, you know, we've seen that for the kind of linebackers and, and, and the receivers and the, the running backs, but we haven't seen it as much for the tackles and the the pass rush, you know, because the steel hasn't been sharpened as steel at this point, you know. We, mm-hmm. And and the, but the thing is, with that coming in, it's going to it's going to improve the the offensive tackles um, ability, um, but it's also going to have an knock on effect to the other pass rushers that are there already. Um, one way that that's going to happen is that they're going to learn from a guy like Ngakwe, who's got a lot more experience, uh, been a lot, played in a lot of different places. Um, and and can really help them sort of improve their game. And two, um, they don't feel as comfortable anymore by knowing that. Well, fair enough. We've got we've got a new guy playing on one side of the ball, but the likelihood is I'm going to probably get to start on on this side. You know, whether whether that be Robinson or, or Gibson or whoever. You know, um, the fact that they've brought in more competition at the pass rush, but but really really good level of competition means that these guys need to step up their game as well. Um, so it, it, it breeds that competition internally, uh, and you like to hope that you know eventually guys like Gibson or Robinson, and we've seen especially with those two, we have seen flashes of mm-hmm. what they can do and what they could be. It's just not been consistent. Um, but you hope that it can inspire those guys to to be great and and to take the next step and and be that long term um, solution for the Bears that, that we've been looking for. And it, it looks unlikely at the moment. But you never know. These things can just sort of turn around. But yeah, I mean, again, we, I talked. We talked about this on the show last week with 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 Adam Jans, and um, we, t- you know, everyone's always in the offense. They always concentrate on what the offense is doing. How many interceptions is just in the field? Yeah. I mean, you know, equally, we need to have a good defense. We had a horrific last place defense last season, uh, and. When you look at the positions and you look at the players that are, that are there now, it's almost a 100% overhaul outside the two or three players. Um, and that was needed. And um, so that, you know, we we had so many close games last year. Now, we hope the offense is going to take the next step and be to score more points, right? Okay. However, we need that offense to not concede, uh, the defense to not concede as many points and to get the offense back on the field as quickly as possible. And that's going to be the difference between losing so many of those close games that we've lost over the last 12 months and winning them, you know, and, and it really, really bodes well. Now, again, I'm not saying that with the signing of Yannick and Gakwe that it's, it's projecting us to the latter stages of the playoffs or beyond, not at all. But what I'm saying is that it's, it's putting us in a better position than we were in before um, and it, it means that 
while there are positions that you could still improve in, it brings the overall level up a little bit from where it was. And it was a way down here. Now we're mm -hmm. up here. You can still get higher. But the, the, the point is that you're making improvements as much as you can. Interesting one, actually, as well. I, I can't remember. There was a bit of a hullabaloo on Twitter earlier on because um, someone had uh, said that Ryan Poles hadn't taken advantage of Oh, my God. Justin Fields' rookie contract. I saw that tweet and I ignored it. <laughs> the, question is, the question I've got for that, and I, and I did reply to, to said person to ask them, well, what would you have done? To, what, what's the big move that you would have made this offseason that Ryan Poles hasn't done that would have been taking advantage of that? Because I, I, I think that the moves that he's made so far in the offseason have, have been mostly very very good obviously until we see the product on the field uh we can't say for sure but certainly on paper it you know he's done a lot of good things he's been smart with the investment and he's not brought in guys just because they're a name or for the sake of it we talked you know that orlando brown jr thing was stupid you know and anybody who wanted him in a, a tackle I'm sorry, but that was just a stupid idea. Tell me how you really feel. It didn't fit the system. But, you know, that, what do you think about that? I mean, what would you, what, what could you do differently that he hasn't done this offseason? I don't know how people can complain, honestly, about what he's done this offseason because we sat here back in March and we're like, I don't know how he's going to fix all these holes because there's so many holes on this team. And we're like, he's probably going to have to prioritize some this year. And some next year. And then we sit here and, and if I honestly said, like, where is the absolute major hole where this team will lose games because they haven't fixed it? I don't know if you can really say, you might say center, but you still have two veterans that can play that position. Like, you fixed quite a lot. Like, everyone's talking about the depth on the offensive line. Well, you don't go into free agency trying to sign guys for a depth offensive line piece right like that's that usually comes later on in the season you don't like it's the same thing for the draft yeah there, you might prefer a particular draft pick over another but i even put out a tweet today on this and like even the demeanor and the mentality of some of the draft picks that have come out it's something that i like because they're fighting for positions to play meaningful snaps yeah. And you don't get that all the time. Like I've mentioned it, like Darnell Wright's going to start for you. Javon Dexter at some point of this season will probably be your starter or will get at least meaningful snaps, right? Tyreek Stevenson's probably going to be your starter opposite Jalen Johnson, right? And even if he wasn't, the next person that's battling him is one of your other draft picks. Roshan Johnson will probably be a starter by the end of the year. Like we're starting to hear today, like low, you're starting to see kind of his impact once the pads have come on. It, it's the same thing. Tyler Scott will be put in there. He not he's not going to be like a starting three wide receivers on your team, but he's going to be a guy that's going to come in that is going to get at least one or two of those like forty or fifty yard touchdowns because he has the speed to just to beat someone. And you even look at like a guy like Zach Pickens who hasn't really lit it up in training camp. But you never know. He might be a guy that takes his opportunity in preseason, or he may just be one of those rotational guys, right? We're hearing so many good things about Noah Sewell as well, both on and off the field. Like what we've seen, he's filled in for Sanborn. He's filled in for Tremaine Edmonds, and he's going to be your premier backup linebacker this year. That If anyone goes down in any three of those positions, 
he's going to come in. And the fact is he's kind of turning into a fan favorite. I, I love the story today that came out with him, that he stopped with to a family that I think their, their kid was needed to sign to be able to, to talk to him. And he stayed there for like five or 10 minutes, having a full length conversation in sign language. And that's something that a lot of these guys, one, it, it's, it helps when you're able to do that, but also even to give up your time and do it. I think that's a really good thing. So you look at even just the, the type of people that Ryan Pose has brought in here. I don't know how you can complain when the main thing we asked them to fix was to get a number one wide receiver. And they've done that. Like DJ Moore and Justin Fields, like it's, it's every single day where the reporters are just like, well, we, we tweet this every day, but like, it's Justin Fields and DJ Moore. We've not had that since probably Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall. We didn't even have that with like Trubisky and Allen Robinson, right? Like they'd have certain days where it was like great, but it's like DJ Moore and Justin Fields every single day. And that's normally what happens when you have a number one wide receiver that he can have a great day every single day. And that's what needed to happen. So when I saw that, I was like, look, I don't know what you want. This isn't Madden. You're not going to be able to go and get all these superstars in one year. You do have to build this up gradually, but to complain about what Pulse has done in terms of adding talent to this roster, I don't get it. I don't, like you said, I don't know what people wanted. Like, there's not much more, like, even the edge rusher. I know some people wanted, like, Justin Houston and stuff. I'm like, if we go back to March, I bet you nine out of 10 Bears fans were asking them to sign Yannick Ngakwe in free agency. And instead, they go and get him, what is it, four months later for $10 million? I don't know how people are complaining. I think people just go in with their with their thoughts and what they want. And then if that doesn't happen, that the first option is to criticize rather than to analyze what the GM has done. The one thing I like about him, and I don't know, this might be the same for you, is when I go and I look at the moves that he has made this year, I'm like, I can't argue with the rationale behind the moves they all make sense they're moves where you're like i know what the thought process is we've gone through too many gms where you're like why the hell are you signing jimmy graham why are you signing mike lennon why are you signing some of those tight ends that they've signed over the years like what was it Dion sims and stuff like that i'm like there was times when i was like i don't understand what you're doing but with this gm at least at that point i'm like I understand why this move was made. I understood why he waited because he clearly wants to get his own guy into the draft or maybe in free agency. So he's now given Ngakwe that one-year deal. Prove to us that you're an elite pass rusher because if you do, we have money. We can pay you, but you got to prove that you're that guy. And if he does that, and let's say he gets 12, 13, 14 sacks this year, I'm like, cool, give him an extension. But he has to prove it. Yeah, and again, it's all about um, sort of getting in long-term sustainable investment as well because, you know, you could go out and make a splash on whoever, you know, and you'll be there for a year or so, doesn't work out, gone, right? You mm-hmm. have to have the long-term view there as well. And and you know what? One of the one of the biggest long-term view ones for me and is one that people are pissing and moaning about when it happened and have been since then is Chase Claypool. And we're now seeing, or, you know, we're hearing, rather, that he's been looking shit hot in, in, pre, in pre-season so far in training camp. Um, that's huge. 
that's huge as well because that's a move that has been made in the last twelve calendar, the last calendar year, um, and it's a move at the time that you thought, well, why are they doing that just now? They don't have this, they don't have that, they don't have the next thing. Well, yeah, they don't. But as you say, Rome isn't built in a day. It's going to take a little while to get things together. The first move was made at the trade deadline uh, during last season. The next mm-hmm. lot of moves are made at free agency, and before that, with the trade, the next lot of moves are made during. Um, the draft, you know, you got to build these things together. There's no quick fix. I'm sorry, but there's not a quick fix option in the NFL. Don't get me wrong, there have been teams that have went out one year and spent a shit ton of money or they've drafted very well and they've got a bit of luck uh, and their team have made huge strides and improvements and sometimes even better within that that one year, you know, from from worst to first and all that kind of stuff that happens but that takes a lot of luck uh, and sometimes the chips don't fall where, where you want them to and sometimes you have to play the long game and be a little bit patient and i think that's what polls is doing now again we'll caveat all this with we still need to see it on the field right however um at the moment based on everything we're hearing it's looking good we're made tremendous improvements in the defense as well that was first thing Everybody was pissing and moaning about the defense being terrible last year. He's went out there and he's made moves to make the defense better, including signing a guy, Yannick Ngakwe, who would not look out of place in the first wave of free agency. And that's the truth. That's not bullshit. And that's not me blowing smoke up his arse. That mm-hmm. is the truth. Okay. Um, he's made huge improvements to the defensive line by investing in there. Now, we know that there's a couple of you know, rookies in there, but you're 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 investing and you're hoping that, that you get return on that. But end of the day, it's improved. And again, the offense looks better as well. The, the wide receivers, the, the DJ Moore trade is huge. It's going to be so influential in how this offense, and if he stays fit and healthy, touch wood that he does, he is going to make a huge difference to this offense. You know, Cole Komet's coming yeah. on to, to, you know, another improvement year there. Hopefully Darnell Mooney's got a bit to prove. Obviously, Chase Claypool has, you know, he's he's already put the market down in terms of where he is. The, everything's evolving, the team's evolving, the game plans are evolving. Um, the 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 offensive plan is will, will look the same. Except there'll be things added in this year that weren't there that last year because maybe they didn't have the players for it, or maybe they just didn't want to give anything away the first year. Because why would you? You know, they knew what they were last year. They knew they were the pretty much the worst team in the NFL, you know. Um, and what, why, why kid anyone else on about it? So, and I, I remember making this point before about how they didn't show their hand last year, and people thought, "Well, what kind of what you can't do that because then you're not competitive." That's bullshit. You know, you, you don't show your hand if you don't need to because again, you're playing the long game. You know, you're you're willing to wait it out and you end up with the first overall pick because next year you can start implementing things that you haven't been able to do this year. The long game, this is what it's all about. I genuinely believe that this team, I don't, I don't think we'll win the Super Bowl this year. Right? However, no! However, <laughs> I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to be as bad though. as, nah, as nah. I, I genuinely could see double digit wins um, if, if things fall our way and we get a bit of luck. Mm-hmm. You see double-digit wins depending on how things shake out. If not, I mean, you look at a minimum eight, eight, nine wins, something like that. Uh, you know, uh, just just predicting things and everything's on paper just now, but it just feels different this year. 
and it, there's a different feeling in the building. There's a there's confidence not only with the players, there's confidence with the coaches, and everybody has confidence in Ryan Poles, and they haven't had that GM confidence in quite some time either. Um, so for me to say that he hasn't done a shot, his shoot is shot or shot is shot, whatever the fuck it is, he hasn't done all that he can do uh, is a bit disrespectful, in my opinion. Um, what else could you do is the question I would ask those people, and they haven't had an answer yet, so who knows. What else you could do is, look, we talk about the Bears evolving, but Tony, the one question I have to ask you, have you evolved your ball game? That's all, that's all I can say. Look, we we have said this to all you guys that have listened to the show for the last kind of month or two, um, that we have been, we've been working with kind of Manscaped. Again, give you guys 20% off. Um, there's, there's whatever you want really on Manscaped. You get your free shipping as well. But yeah, look, it's, again, we're coming towards the end of the summer now. I don't know about you over there in, in Scotland, Tony, but Really, it's been the weather here's been crazy. It's been ra- raining but humid as hell. So, um, but I know, I know everywhere in Europe, and I know a lot of places in America have been really, really hot. So, look, if you guys want to go get something from Manscaped, just remember that if you put in code Irish Bears, you get twenty percent off. You get free shipping. Whether you want to go get the Performance Package four point oh, where you get the lawnmower four point oh, you get the crop preserver, the ball deodorant, the travel bag, your boxers, all all that sort of stuff. Like I said, I I only really use the Manscaped products now because you. I think once you use one of the companies like Manscaped, you just realize what you were doing wrong for so many years because you were like, why was I doing this with this shoddy kind of product? Just like with all the previous GMs we were talking about with the Bears. Now we're talking about Ryan Poles, the things that he's doing right because all the other GMs were doing some terrible things. Don't do some terrible things to your nuts. Make sure that you go and use Manscaped. Make sure you put code Irish Bears in for 20% off. And that is the Manscaped segment of this show. We will get back to the Bears talk, but I just wanted to put that in. Um, to Look, again, it is a uh, talk of smooth marbles. Where is Ant? Ant, uh, I don't know. Maybe he's using Manscaped somewhere. He is in the chat, though. He's so in the chat. Sure he's in the yeah. chat, so he's doing something. Maybe he's shaving his head with Manscaped. I don't know. Um, but let's go in. We'll talk a little bit about as we get kind of closer to the first preseason game here, because we have mentioned that for the most part, most of these guys, it's not really going to be that relevant for, right? Like a Justin Fields, a Chase Claypool, a DJ Moore, all those, they may have a couple of snaps here and there, but it's really those guys that'll be battling for a roster spot. And now over the last couple of days in camp, what some of the things that we've seen is, and we've mentioned it previously today on the show, Dominic Robinson is starting to make some plays. Noah Sewell is getting a lot of him, is getting a lot of touches in there. Tyreek Stevenson looks like he's kind of solidified the cornerback too with Smith being out. Um, obviously DJ Moore and Fields have been linking up really well, but where I want to actually focus more of this as we kind of preview this kind of first preseason game is actually with the rookies. Because I think that's where you start to see some of these guys kind of move ahead and solidify their roster spots. Because while we expect a lot of the rookies to make the 53, they still have to earn it. Now, guys that I'm excited to see are Jervon Dexter, Zach Pickens to see what they can do. A Roshan, who we're not going to get to see much in training camp because they only get a couple of live periods. Well, when you have a full preseason game to go through, you're going to get to see a little bit more out of that running game. 
And then even other guys that we don't even talk about that often, like last year, right? Jack Sanborn makes this roster as a UDFA linebacker. And then today there's Micah Baskerville from LSU, who was the first, I think he was the first UDFA signing for the Bears this, this year. And he had two interceptions and a pass breakup today. So you're starting to see some of that. So we might actually start talking about some of these UDFA guys that prior to now we didn't because they were really going up against kind of like third team. Or if they're on the third team, they're come, they're going up against the first team where maybe they won't show out as much. But when they're going up against guys that are at their level and they're going up against backups, and then they can kind of show what they can do. We had one of those guys on the show in DeAnthony Jones. Like, the fact that he's put in as one of kind of the backup players in the edge position, which is a little bit ahead of where we saw a guy like Travis Gibson, makes you think, oh, well, do they want to pay Travis Gibson or would they prefer having a, a young guy coming through if they're not going to be starting anyway? So these are some of the things I'm looking forward to. But as we get towards this preseason game, what are some of the things you want to see? Because, again, we'll probably see the starters for like a series. And then usually you start to see them filter out. What are some of the key things that you'll be hoping for on Saturday? Uh, I, I really want to see the sort of run game um, and how that's going to work. Because, I mean, obviously Khalil Herbert's probably your your kind of number one guy currently. Uh, I'm sure that'll change during the course of the season. But I, li- I really like to see how the kind of running back pipe committee thing's going to work. Um, you know, how the offensive line are in, in that, that sort of running back zone because we know obviously Darnell Wright, Devin Jenkins, both nasty, nasty guys. Um, you know, so them those two guys working together on the run game is going to be an interesting one, even if we don't see a lot of it over the preseason with the starters playing. But for me, uh, the big one is, uh, is is looking at those interior defensive linemen that were taken in the, the second and third round. Um, um and the two cornerbacks that were taken as well in the draft, Terrell Smith and Tariq Stevenson, I think they'll probably get a little bit more game time um, than, than uh, obviously they're not really considered starters at the moment. I think Tariq Stevenson will be the starting cornerback uh, opposite Jalen Johnson before too long. Um, and um, it'll be really interesting to see if he can take his opportunity and you know, say, do you know what, you don't even need to wait until... Uh, the second preseason game just put me in that spot right now, um, and let's just kind of gra- ca- carry on with it and avoid injury before week one. So yeah, yeah for me, that, that's going to be a big one is is seeing seeing guys like that really seize their opportunity in the second and third quarters of the games that are coming up, um, and and see what they can do. Um, in terms of uh, you know any anybody else, it's always a, it's always fun to see one of these UDFA guys emerge. Um, and and sort of say you know I, I'm going to take a spot on this 53 man and I'm, I'm curious to see who it is this year because again there's always one there is always I... one there's always one and and to be honest, I'll be completely honest with you in, in terms of the UDFA guys I haven't really been paying that much attention to what's been going on in terms of reports on them you don't really hear much about reports on them in training camp from the guys that are at it you hear more about the starters and um, so I'm not sure. And until I actually get to see it, I don't know. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of these guys. Um, even guys like Noah Sewell as well, because as you say, there's a lot of question marks hanging over him 
you know, from going from having a great year in college to having the not so great year. And where is he at? You know, he's this is a guy that was projected to go in the first round if he went last season mm-hmm. uh, in the draft. You know, so have we got ourselves a huge steal there? Um, and you know, to be honest, to be honest, it sounds, it sounds like it based on based on camp practices, like the way people talk about him is not talking about like a late round rookie no they're talking about him as a guy that is like i to the point of where you would be surprised if he's not going to get reps like meaningful reps during the season and that's where i'm like like even for a guy like that that's who we should have been thinking about these preseason games are going to be really important for him but actually we've gotten to a point of where i think the preseason probably doesn't even matter for a guy like nosil because if we're looking at the other linebackers, look, obviously the three starters, if healthy, TJ Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, Jack Sanborn. Then the other guys that are out there, like Dylan Cole, who was brought in as a free agent, has been injured for a bunch, but he was more of like, like not really as a starting linebacker. He's been more of like a special teams guy. Noah Sewell, the fact that he's been playing behind or instead of Edmonds and Sanborn when they've been out. And then we're seeing a guy like, Baskerville start to make some plays. Demarcus Gates has made some plays, but I think that's where it becomes interesting. Is after Sewell, who's going to be the next one? Like, do if they keep six linebackers, like after Dylan Cole and Noah Sewell, like it could be anybody after that. It could be Baskerville, who's a UDFA. It could be Demarcus Gates, or it could be none of them. And it could be a guy that they pick up in that final cut down day that comes on. But like. It's an interesting one this year because for the most part, I think we have a pretty good idea of where these guys are. Like what I just like is when you even look at the unofficial depth chart, the majority of the rookies that have been brought in are kind of like premier backups, at least somewhere. Like Tyler Scott, you'd say is a definite guy that's going to be making the team. He's a guy I'm, I'm interested to see. I want him playing a lot in the preseason because he needs reps and he's not one where if he gets injured early on that you're like, Oh shit, we're screwed. Like he's someone that actually needs to be out there. Valus Jones is a guy that needs to be out there. I think what the bears need to use this preseason for is determining who are their premier depth guys that if somebody goes down, you know, for a fact, this is the guy that's going to be coming in. I think that's the most important thing. And honestly, receiver, I'm, not so much tight ends we know kind of what we have there but like receiver like your interior offensive lineman or your backup tackles your running backs i think this is going to be an interesting one because we've spoken about like five guys there like even after herbert foreman roshan like you've Tristan ebner who has all the reports today had like a 70 yard run for a touchdown you have obviously they pay travis homer like some people saying he had the softest hands of any of the running backs that are there. What do they do at running back? How many of them do they keep? I think there's actually quite a lot of interesting storylines here. Like who are the premier cornerbacks after those two rookies, right? Like after Smith and after Stevenson, after obviously Gordon and Johnson, like who else is going to make this team? Because typically you'll keep six corners and we haven't heard much about the other guys there. Who are the backup safeties on this team? Like we well, assume, we assume it's Elijah Hicks is one of them, but we don't actually know who the next one is. Like, yeah. is it Colbert who was a veteran, or is it a guy like 
Braylon Trahan, who like what was it last week had something like four interceptions. Yeah. But like again, he's another UDFA. So even though we may not see the starters for more than maybe like five, six, seven snaps against the Tennessee Titans, there's actually quite a lot to be looking into. Uh, for kind of, I guess, for for reasons I think would be a good idea with the way they changed the rule in terms of the three quarterback system. I'd like to see the UDFA guy Tyson Badgent get more than just like a couple of snaps here or there at the end of the fourth quarter. I'd like to see maybe Peterman get to play one of the quarters in the second half and Badgent get to play the other because I think that's an important one. I'd rather see a UDFA guy or a young guy if he's good enough to be able to be on the roster because they don't count towards the 53 anymore, that third quarterback. So like you may as well figure out, can this young guy play? Because if he can, then you don't need a guy like Peterman um, because you know nobody's passing by fields and PJ Walker. But it's there's quite a lot of interesting storylines, like even for some of these young guys. Like we haven't heard much about that wide receiver, Aaron um, Crookshank after the first after the first week because we heard and we saw a couple of clips but we haven't seen anything really since so I think it's more for those guys like who are gonna round out this roster and one of the things we mentioned right Tony is this team has the number one waiver priority these guys need to beat out other players currently on the Bears to make the roster but they then have to prove to Ryan Poles that they're better than guys that could be available for him when the cut down date starts and that's the difficult one where we can talk about these guys. Oh, this guy's made the 53. A day later, they've signed five players because last year it was seven. Now, I think they'll be less than last year just because I think the team's better. But when you have the number one waiver priority, you've got to use that to your advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, the big thing for me, and you sort of touched on it a little bit there, and, and King Buka. Uh, has, has mentioned it here as well. Hold on, so oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, the, the 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 depth is um, the uh, the preseason is going to show how much depth they really have, and we spoke yeah. about it already today. Um, and they, they built depth in the offensive line the first year. They built depth in the defensive line the second year, and they've also got depth at wide receiver now too. The mm-hmm. guys who we are going to be talking about who are going to be starting this second quarter and the third quarter and the fourth quarter. But all the guys that were our starters last year, yeah, you know, and we we were hyping them up as in, oh yeah, Villasion Junior is going to look great, and we've got Equinemius St. Brown there as well, and he's looking great, and I think he could be number three moving forward and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, we're like, actually, no, these guys are actually five and six on the depth chart, you know, but they can come in and and they're a backup sort of thing, and it's going to look so much better. The same mm-hmm. in cornerback as well. Kendall Wilder was our number number two court, uh, cornerback last year. And all of a sudden, he's fifth on the depth chart for for corners. Do you mean so? You have you have to look at the situation. And that last year, these are guys that we were very excited about and thought maybe they're going to make progress and be better. And all of a sudden, we're just like, well, actually, they are very good players, but with even better players now in front of them. And one one player actually just got re-added to the roster. Bears just made the move now we've removed wide receiver Dante Pettis from the non-football injury list. So he will be, he's obviously going to be healthy enough. I know he was running today. People were saying, but he's going to be able to play on Saturday as well. So you mentioned it, the guys we were talking about last year, starters are the backups this year where you'll probably see a wide receiving core after the first like four snaps of Tyler Scott, Valus Jones Jr., Dante Pettis, and I don't know what the injury was for Equinemius St. Brown today, but if he's healthy enough, 
you add him in, that's basically your wide receiver core last year and just substituting out Nikhil Harry and putting in Tyler Scott. So yeah. that's where you get you're, to you're, the you're, you're hoping then you get to that situation with, with the preseason where you're not just going to have your backups come on and you look, okay, this is a bit more competitive because they're both sort of at the same level. You're hoping these backups come on and really, really go hell for leather on the backups of the Titans and, and destroy them because really these are guys that were starting last year versus guys who were backups last year as well, probably, you know. So the 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 fact is that last year we were worried if he got an injury or something happened and they went out, the replacement player that was coming in was so far behind um the, the starter position that you knew there was, you know, the, the drop off was going to be too much. But now you're looking at it and you go, well, you know, Dante Pettis was all right last year at points. Mm-hmm. Ed St. Brown was all right last year at points as well. Kendall Wilder can come on and do a job for you as well, as long as it's not on a long-term basis. You know, you've got a bit more confidence in that squad and not just having starters. And, and this is the difference between going out there and going, do you know what, let's spend a shit ton of money on this one player. We'll put him in there. We won't really be able to back him up with anything significant because we don't have the money to do it. We need to invest it elsewhere. You know, whereas spend a little bit of money, a little bit less money on certain players that maybe you didn't, have at the top of your list, maybe they were second or third, um, and and they, you know, you can build a good squad, and then obviously, you know, get your get your big hitters and trades and and the draft as well, sort of thing. So, I, yeah. I I'm really optimistic about how the squad shaped at the moment, um, and and I know we'll probably do a show on what we think the final fifty three is going to be closer to the time, but mm-hmm. um, I, I think you're right. I think you could at the moment you could probably pick. You know, maybe 45, 46 of them and say they're they're definites. And then the, the, the exciting thing is is it's not as if the rest of them you go, well, it's likely he'll be in because really it could be it could be any combination yeah. of players that end up depending well, on what they say, want to do. Or as we say, after those definites, and then we assume some of the depth pieces, well, they might not even make the team because yeah. again, and that's where that's where this actually becomes quite difficult because then you're like all right, so if we sign some players, then who can they get back to the practice squad? Because those are going to be all the permutations that Ryan Poles has to think of. It's like, who can we have on the practice squad? Who won't get to the practice squad? Who is not viable to be allowed to be on the practice squad? So that's where some of these do become very interesting. And this was an important, I think, a question that is an interesting one when we talk about it, especially with Dante Pettis kind of being activated again. What happens to Velas if he struggles to field punts? He's so low on the wide receiver depth chart. I don't think he gets cut, but he may get buried and rarely see the ball. I'll be honest, if he proves that he can't field punts, I don't know if he's going to make the roster because I don't think you're drafting a guy like Tyler Scott if you believe in Velas Jones Jr. going forward because I think that's the role they envisioned Velas to be playing and he just didn't impress enough. Again, same thing with if you're going to bring back Dante Pettis, like Pettis can feel punts, Pettis can feel kicks. Again, it's it's tough for Velas. He needs to prove it. And he is actually one guy that I think in the preseason has to have a good preseason. He started off on such a bad footing last year being injured. And I think that didn't help him. So hopefully with a full preseason this year, with a full camp this year, that does help him kind of move forward a little bit. And I think it actually is really, really important for him. Um, it's going to be interesting to see really how this goes with um, 
with preseason. But I'm excited just to kind of get to the point of where we get to talk about some of the games because I think that'll be an interesting one as we go. I know for the rest of this week, um, obviously games coming up on Saturday, we'll be doing some sort of um, show to analyze and kind of give our opinions on kind of who were the main winners and who kind of didn't help themselves in the first preseason game and who needs to then have a much better week with, I think next week's really important. You get you do the joint practices, which are really good, but then you get to go off and play against the Colts. I think. Anyone... That's when practice gets interesting. When yeah. you come up against proper, proper opposition and not just your, your mate. Because you're not, you're, yeah. not, you're, not <laughs> going, you're not going 100% against your pal, really. I mean, you're, you're at an extent, but you're not going to try and put him on the ground the same way as you will mm-hmm. do the opposition guy. So that's when it gets really interesting when the Colts come, come into town. And we, and we, if I, are they coming to us? Are we going to them? I, I no, we're, go, we're going to Indy because the game is in Indianapolis. Yeah. So yeah. what we'll see is, I think the Bears have like another practice tomorrow, then it's an off day, and then they play on Saturday at Soldier. And then they go and they they get their off day on Sunday. They travel on Monday, and then I think it's either Tuesday, Wednesday. It's either Tuesday, Wednesday, or Wednesday, Thursday. I can't remember which one it is. But they they have two joint practices with the Colts, and then they have off days before they play against the Colts next weekend. So again, these are coming thick and fast now. There's only three preseason games, so we have these three weeks left to kind of delve into kind of some of these matchups, right, that we're talking about today. Who is going to be those premier depth options for the Bears? And then as we get to that last week, to start looking at some of the other teams and start looking at who is on the outside looking in, who could become a player maybe at a position the Bears want that they could add to this team as we start to look at what the Bears are going to do with the 53-man roster. It happens every year. They'll probably sign four guys. That, has, that are currently not on the roster now that will get cut. And you need to look at guys that are veterans that maybe are on a little bit too much money. A guy like a Travis Gibson for the Bears, for example, where he's going to make three or $4 million, but if he gets cut, maybe they save a little bit because they prefer somebody else. Other teams will have that in other positions. So it's going to be interesting, but we will be back probably after um, the first preseason game, so maybe Sunday or Monday, um, to kind of break it all down. Look, everybody enjoy the game on Saturday because it's the first bit of Bears action we've had in I don't know how long. I think it's been, what, January? So we're nearly into September, so nearly nine months. So, like, we are we are very, very far away. It's been, like, what, now? Actually, it's eight and a half. So it's the, the game is on, what, the 11th or 12th of, of August. So it's probably about eight months since we've actually gotten to see any sort of Bears action. And... Towards the end of the season, we were just like, oh, can this season just end? So we're back on the other side <laughs> where, where we are excited about these games. So look, enjoy it on Saturday. We will be back to be able to analyze it. We'll give you your guys our opinion, who we thought were kind of who did well for themselves against the Titans and who is kind of on the outside looking in because that's going to be a lot of the conversations over the next kind of two, three weeks before we find out who was in that 53-man roster. If you are listening to this over on audio, please do give us a five-star review. We really do appreciate it. If you're listening to us over on YouTube on replay, like the video, um, so subscribe as well. We have a couple of interesting things coming over the next kind of seven to 10 days. You'll want to be subscribed to find out about it. So until next time, all we can say is bear down.
Pero ahora me mato.